It's hard to feel free when the world is crashing down around us and we're shut up in our homes practicing social distancing. But you don't have to feel trapped. You can write your way to freedom. Welcome to the Right Away Podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Right Away Podcast. It is June 2nd, 2022, as we are recording. I'm Chris Kane with my co-host, J.P. Reinflush. How has your writing week been, JP? So this is a couple days after the Memorial Day weekend. We had family over. And let me tell you, I can't do a whole lot when there's family over. Um, So quote unquote, not well, but still progressing forward. So it is what it is. And I am back at it, trying to wake Uh myself up at five in the morning. And it's doing its thing. One of the benefits of living in a different country than you grew up in is not that you get to celebrate holidays from both countries. It's that you get to forget holidays from both countries. Ooh. And then just work extra. That sounds nice. I'm not going to complain because, of course, like, love having family over. But I have this, like, weird need to make sure that everyone is entertained in some meaning way or somewhat. And everyone, except for my partner, wakes up super early. So it was like, oh, I'll get up at five. Everyone got up at five. And I'm like, what are you doing? You guys need to go back to sleep. It's just, it was a weird fluctuating time. So I just kind of tried to do businessy stuff uh, because I couldn't get the words in. So I tried to do something. But yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, when I host people, from after 7 o'clock, I am always, like, glaring at their door, like, how do they sleep this long? Like, they get up at 9, which is, like, a normal, like, vacation, like, early-ish vacation time, and I'm like, (laughs) dude, how do you live? That would have been nice. But yeah, that's didn't happen that way. How has your writing week been? Uh, I definitely got more more writing done this week after like my recognition last week of one of the things that's been going on and slowing me down. I did have to push off the co-writing romance. My co-writer went back into the hospital, and so I pushed the pre-order date back one month, which you can do once on Amazon KDP for every book. So now it's we're on the real deadline now, unless I decide to cancel the pre-order, which I really don't want to do because that's good money. But I don't think I'll have any trouble getting it done, even if she's not able to contribute. Now that there's a real deadline in my brain, it's like, mm, we get things done with deadlines. But it's stressful and I don't like stress, so I don't do them generally. What else? I should be getting my German translation back. I might already have it back. I haven't looked in my folder, but I also haven't heard from the translator since, I don't know, Saturday or Sunday. And I've put out a job listing to find a proofreader for that. And I've already contacted the original cover artist so that she can just update it. So I'm getting all of that ready and I will probably not release that until I'm thinking until the beginning of next month. Mm -hmm. And then Hopefully, like, I'll have a system in place where I can happily set the pre-order up for the next book, which should be also done in a month, so that I can just consistently have the pre-order listed in the back of the ebook and ready to roll every time. That's the hope. So, nice. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, that's where I am at right now. That is exciting. 
Excellent. Okay, yeah. so for our inspiration card today, we have the Wheel of Fortune, which honestly Wheel is just often one of the funnest cards uh, to look at in most tarot decks. Mm-hmm. Artists tend to have a really fun time with it. So would you describe the Wheel of Fortune, JP? Yeah, it's a wild card. So upright, Wheel of Fortune is good luck, karma, life cycles, destiny, and a turning point. And reversed, it's bad luck, resistance to change, and uh, breaking cycles. So Wheel of Fortune is actually in the Major Arcana, the farthest away from both the Fool and uh, the world. So if we think of tarot as a big circle, this is like the midpoint. It's the top of the, the circle and it represents a giant wheel. It has three figures on the outer edge. Those figures are the Egyptian god Typhon, the god of evil, on the left side. Um, And then it has Anubis, the god of the dead, welcoming souls to the underworld. And then it has a sphinx at the top, representing knowledge and strength. And it has zodiac angels on the corners of it, representing different things. It's very, like, symbolic. And ultimately, this is a card that represents um, potential. Are we going to go towards the side of, like, good things or bad things? It's that luck card uh, right in the middle of one's journey. Excellent. And the, the question that we have used this card to inspire is, how do you write the midpoint of your story? And as we were talking about the question this morning, I was like, do you have specific thoughts on midpoints, JP? And you said yes. So I'm going to make do. you go first. Yeah, so we read the book and did the book club for writing from the middle. And in there, it talked a lot about how the midpoint is a death point. You have these three phases, the physical, psychological, or I can't remember the third one. I'm sorry. Uh, But regard. Yeah, something along those lines. But ultimately, it's a death for a character. And I started to think about that. And I was wondering, like, is this always true? And... Then I was thinking about this whole Wheel of Fortune card where you have both good luck and bad luck. And I'm wondering if it's not only like death at the midpoint, but it could be a rebirth at the midpoint. Uh, So then I was trying to think of movies because they're the fastest thing to think through midpoints. And that's where I came across like movies like Mulan, where in Mulan, the midpoint is actually in the pole where they're all trying to get up to the top of it and they have this whole montage of them failing. And then Mulan finally realizes how to get to the top of it and she becomes like this rebirthed character where she knows or she's at the top of her game by the midpoint. So that's not really a death moment. And so then that got me thinking like, how do you write these good midpoints? It's not just a quote unquote death moment, but it could be a rebirth moment. Um, And it's really just a turning point. It's a point where a character believes either they're at their ultimate low or they're at their ultimate high, but it's a false flag uh, because we will get to worse things later. Um, but yeah, that's that was where my thoughts were about this is death and rebirth. Yeah, and I really liked the the book writing from the middle it gave me lots of really good ideas but I find that I don't use it in my romance which is super fluffy for the most part there's rarely any conflict between the main characters that isn't quickly solved and that's the brand the conflict is all external and there's a mission and and it doesn't follow a lot of the 
traditional up and down moments. And I think that there is a slight difference between fluffy and cozy, which are two separate kind of feels, that doesn't always follow along with our traditional, more adventure midpoints mm-hmm. or emotionally, like deep emotional range books. When you go for a cozy or, or a fluffy book going for, it's like eating a giant bowl of mashed potatoes by itself. You're not looking for variety. You're looking to just submerse yourself in one sensation in a way. And as I, as I try and think like what's the midpoint in most of my books, it's without going and researching my own work, I'm not really sure what that would be. And I'm really curious about I, that. I wonder if because you're more in this realm of like cozy, that's where things like the death moment doesn't apply. And it is like a, a rebirth or a shift of a different sense. It's really hard trying to find movies that the midpoint isn't like death, but mm-hmm. I think that it exists. And like there was a movie, The Big Sick, I think it was on Amazon. And this one, uh, the it's basically these two characters, it's like a romantic comedy. Um, and I believe that the woman's mom is not a fan of the male character. Um, she's kind of racist, if I remember correctly. And there's a point where this character's getting heckled and then this mom protects him. And that's a shift. It's a moment where she becomes this ally or this mentor where she was originally like an antagonist. And I think that would be a midpoint where it's not a death moment, but that's actually like giving a character ability to shift into a different role. And I think that is also a good utilization of a midpoint. Yeah, and I want to clarify for anyone listening as I'm, and I'm, kind of jumping back a little bit because my brain's been twisting over this for like the idea of cozy. I'm not specifically referring to cozy mysteries because cozy mysteries often do have the death point because a lot of them are concerned with murder. And so there's often like a second murder in a very literal death point at about the midpoint of the book. But often it's something else goes missing, something else is lost. And I'm nearing what will be about the midpoint of the book I'm currently working on. And what ha- will happen at this midpoint is that a decision is made, basically affirming of beliefs. So there's kids in danger and uh, a whole, like three different groups have realized that they're all after the same bad guy. And so there'll be like some kind of statement of like, regardless of what we have to do, like the kids are the most important thing and we'll do whatever we mm-hmm. can to protect them. And there might instinct, like it, it uh, that's one of the things that... Was it James Scott Bell who wrote Writing from the Middle? Does that sound right? It does sound right. But but what he said about Writing from the Middle is that everyone does it instinctively if it's a good book. Yeah, James Scott Bell. And I think that's mostly true. But I do question for books that have more slice of life, that are more fluffy, that still satisfy that particular reader's emotional need how often that's strictly true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's the whole death part. Like, that's not always the case. And so what you're talking about, that's still a shift. And when you talk about midpoints, it's all about a shift, a change of perspective, a change of different um, whatnot. Easiest shift to do is death. 
But in your case, it's a almost like a shifting of roles or a mentality uh, from before we were all against each other or something along those lines, and now we've shifted to focus on a different thing. And I think that's just as applicable as a midpoint, especially when you consider the Wheel of Fortune and all of its Indeed. little pieces. Now I'm going to be like analyze, overanalyzing everything I write again, which is normal. But what question do we want to ask our listeners this week, JP? I want to know how they approach the midpoint. What tools do they use? What do they think about? Or what do they like come back to realize that is part of their writing that they don't think about? I want to see how they write their midpoints, how they approach it. Excellent. All right, friends, we are about to go record our Patreon-only episode, which is our business episode, inspired by the Wheel of Fortune. And this week we'll be talking about how do you deal with sudden changes in productivity and blocks. And if you would like to have access to that episode and all of our Patreon episodes, you can check us out at www.patreon.com slash rightawaypodcast. Thank you so much for joining us this week. See you later. Our landlady got finally got an electric door opener installed for our driveway. And me being the lazy bitch I am, not wanting to have to use a key to go in and out the side door, I was like, oh, I'll just use the electric door opener, scoot through, and then close it really fast so that I'm not, like, opening the gates super wide and then closing them. But I pressed the close button before I was fully through, and so it caught me. <laughs> And it's really strong, and so I'm sitting there squeezed together by the electric gates like this, and it's like right here, and it's not stopping, and I'm turning into jelly as I'm like trying to press the button, but not press it like 15 million times so that I get it wrong, and it like goes, because that would be like a potato masher. And I have a really fucking swollen forearm, and... Yeah, and every time I I look at it and I'm like, why does that hurt? I'm like, oh yeah, because you're a dumbass. Oh yeah, because you slammed the door on yourself. Mm-hmm.